I must have been five or six and I was in the garden at my parents' house playing and a family friend came over. I mean, he probably wouldn't even remember this, you know, I mean, that's how kind of nothing insignificant it probably was to him. I remember exactly what I was wearing because I was so happy with my outfit. I had this like little grey t-shirt and little grey shorts and they had little ballet shoes like stitched onto the onto the front and I loved it. I was mucking about in the garden and he walked in and was like da -da -da, chatting chatting and I heard him say to my dad, bloody hell, she's got a little porker and she put on some weight. I remember not really understanding what that meant but my memory is the instant feeling of judgment of my body oh someone's just made a negative comment about my body and instantly wanting to like disappear you're listening to sharing tales the podcast which embraces and celebrates the roller coaster of childhood with me rebecca clark during this series with a new focus on our childhood experiences We'll be hearing from a variety of storytellers as each week my special guest joins me to generously share some of their personal stories. The big and small things, sometimes the seemingly innocuous or the unexpected. Here we embrace and acknowledge the roller coaster of childhood, connecting us all through our stories and giving our inner child a chance to be heard. Childhood is the great unifier. We've all had one, none are quite the same, but importantly, we live to tell the tale. I first came across Donna Easton back in summer 2020. We've got a mutual friend in Jessica Huey, the author, and Jess suggested that I get in touch with Donna because at the time she was running online life shine classes for under sixes, which chimed with Happy Marlowe's philosophy. Donna brings joy to all ages, but in these particular classes, she helps to build confidence, teach mindfulness, explore feelings, all whilst having lots of fun and all tailored for little ones. She was being a ray of sunshine for children and families during those particularly stressful early weeks and months of the pandemic. I did get in touch with Donna back then, but for one reason or another, we didn't connect properly. But fast forward to December 2021, and I was at a mums at rave party, which is exactly what it sounds like. Mums getting together and dancing at a brilliant party in the middle of a Saturday, hosted by the best DJ Nikki Beatnik. No kids, dressing up or down as you wish, with the only aim of having an amazing time. Big shout out for Mums at Rave. Across that crowded room in Notting Hill, I recognised Donna via the power of Instagram and went across to say hello. It turned out we would be reunited in just a couple of weeks at an intimate end of year event that Jess was hosting. So we sort of came full circle and I feel we met exactly when we were supposed to. I really loved spending time with her these past six months, plotting and getting to know each other. You can tell from our conversation that we have a lot of fun together. Donna makes me laugh a lot. But she's also a person of deep meaning, wisdom and love. I asked her to come to this podcast with three memories from childhood, one good, one challenging and a wild card. We cover a lot of ground, indulging in our shared smash hits era of the 80s, reminiscing about her loving and beloved grandparents, the impact that grown up words can have on little listening ears and our love of singing and performing. In particular, an 80s power ballad. Yes, please. 
As Donna asks, are we having fun? That's a big yes from me. Enjoy. Hello, Donna, and welcome to Sharing Tales. How are you today? I'm brilliant, thank you. I'm How are good. you? I'm really good. It's so nice to see on the screen your gorgeous, happy, smiling face. The people listening don't get that pleasure, unfortunately. I, I always say when I'm doing like voice work with people, I say you can hear a smile if you're smiling when you're talking. So I wonder if they can hear it when I talk. Probably not when I'm silent. <laughs> that would be in very that would be very very intuitive. I think that's true. You remind me of one of my early jobs when I was working in a call centre, and they that was one of their tricks or you know one of the little <laughs> hacks to um, smile when you speak, and apparently yeah. it translates. But um, I I did want to stay just for for starters and without being too gushing. But one of the things, one of the the kind of monikers or descriptors of of, of what you do is you being a joyologist, which I hadn't come across before, but I do just have to say that whenever I see you, whether it's on screen or in person, I think you are the embodiment of joy and a real example of someone, that being the case, who is living on purpose. So I just wanna say thank you for that. I'm here for that, I love it. Um, Ah, And it's always so much fun being in your company. Yeah, definitely. It's always strange. I kind of, growing up being, I suppose, like a natural energy raiser, Mm. but then not ever putting a label on it, just kind of naturally doing that, kind of just being like somebody who was always a bit of a silly sod and people (laughs) would giggle and we'd have a laugh and it'd be like, oh, yeah. Like, I'd, I'd always kind of be the party bringer if you know mm. what i mean but never never really kind of formalizing what that actually meant mm-hmm. and i think the joyologist has has kind of formalized that and obviously then i've started reverse engineering a lot of it so like becoming obsessed with joy and happiness and more of the science yeah. behind it and then suddenly that is now like kind of the embodiment of who i am so yeah but i love that you you made that as I said, your purpose and your business. And it seems like there's lots of different ways that people can work with you. I'm doing a plug on your behalf. Uh, so you know, if they wanted to work with you on, a, on an individual level or companies, I mean, one of the things that you do, which I am yet to experience and can't wait, is Wellmioki. Talk us through Wellmioki. <laughs> Here's the thing. So I was working with people and talking a lot about living our full expression of who we are, right? So that was the thing, I was talking a lot about that. The full expression of who I was, was a singer and a performer, right? So I I Mm. like was in bed one night and just suddenly was like, oh, I'm gonna need to put my money where my mouth is here, aren't Mm. I? Because actually, as an ex-performer, I started saying to people, you know, I used to sing and now I do this. And actually I was like, no, it was the singing and the performing that made me just, ultimately joyful and happy like that is who I am right and so I didn't want to be a singer songwriter I have these like these visions of um when I was a little girl of like being on top of the pops and all that kind of stuff and I just thought how about if I do a kind of mass karaoke experience and because I'm obsessed with singing for wellness as well I thought what an amazing way to have like people standing in front of Mm. me singing the words karaoke always feels a little bit like when like people have to get up on stage and do it on their own but 
when you witness nine o'clock at your cousin's wedding and everyone's on the dance floor singing at the tops of their voices to, I don't know, living on a prayer, like that would be a moment of euphoria. Like those moments when you like look across the dance floor at somebody you love and you're just like, this is brilliant. I wanted to like encapsulate that it's not just a singing like I guide people through like accessing their inner kind of diva their inner Beyonce their inner Freddie Mercury whatever that might be and just kind of guide everyone through that and then go through this like amazing singing we just sing bangers and dance and I get people to kind of emote and air grab and give it face and just really kind of (laughs) give it and 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 what do you think like it is euphoric yeah and so from conceiving it in my living room during lockdown Mm. to actually doing it in front of people is just pure magic it's really fascinating I love karaoke and I know not everybody's a fan I recently just completed a, a public speaking course and I found it fascinating that over the course of these kind of four weeks, you had a range of different people, some people who had done speaking before, some who hadn't. And it was very much rooted in um, being vulnerable and being honest. If you've got nothing to hide, you've got nothing to fear was the kind of philosophy. And what I found fascinating was that for a lot of the cohort, if you like, who were there, who were really scared and nervous about public speaking, when we went for the end of course drink, everyone was bang up for karaoke. It's like, let's go to karaoke, let's do karaoke next. And I found that fascinating that- Yeah. That is being in the public, it's performing, but it's a different, seems to be a different kind of connection or definition in in a person's brain you know why it's because it's not your words it's the same as an mm. actor talking to, with somebody else's script your own words mm. are where the vulnerability lies if you're just singing madonna's lyrics or you are reading shakespeare's verse or you're doing something like that you're not completely open you're performing and emoting in a way that doesn't kind of land on you from what you're saying you know it's like actually the words that you say is where the vulnerability lies it's that voice inside us that goes who the bloody hell's this like what's she talking about like it's that (laughs) voice that that we get you know that i get sometimes that go who wants to listen to what you've got to say girl from southeast london that's when the vulnerability lies i think so yeah karaoke does bypass that fear. Yeah. And I saw some pictures on the gram this weekend. You're hot off the heels from the Mind Body Spirit Festival. Yeah. Uh, and I definitely saw some pictures of some singing and some dancing and just pure unadulterated joy. What was what was going on there? What were you up to and what was the vibe? Uh, it was totally amazing. So amazing in all the ways. I I was hosting the main stage, which was brilliant. So mm. introducing some incredible acts. And I suppose like a bit of a warm-up artist for the audience that were kind of waiting mm-hmm. for people to come on. But also I did my own joyology sessions. I spoke a lot about my story and how I went from kind of 25 years corporate to actually reinventing this new life I have for myself and spoke a lot about what it is to access joy and how to access joy and the ways that I do it and explaining about the Mm. fact that it's not a kind of toxic positivity. We have to feel our feelings right, but there are ways that we can, once we are kind of in that zone of feelings, if they're negative, that we can like pull ourselves out. And so, and then of course, because it's kind of mindset coaching, 
with 80s music. We had a good dance. So we had some Whitney Houston. We danced to flash dance. And we and just these like beautiful <laughs> moments, babe, where, you know, there's a guy on a stand, like quite an elderly-ish guy. He was like standing there and he just like was like, yeah, 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 just dancing his head off. Another guy from another stand came over and was like, and I'd said to everybody, what would you do if you didn't give a monkey's what people yeah. thought? And so this guy on his stand was like, if I didn't give a monkey's what people thought, I'd do this. And we had Footloose on and he ran from his stand like through the crowd, jumped up on stage with me and just gave it like the best moves <laughs> ever. You know, when you're like, oh my God, this is brilliant. So, and everyone was like going wild for him. So yeah, it was just completely joyful and just, accessing that kid dancing like that under like bright fluorescent light completely sober yeah it's quite an intimidating thing yeah. to do right so actually everyone kind of got on it and um and released some of that stuff so yeah it was wicked it was really really good i loved it it's like you said it's kind of creating these opportunities for us as grown-ups to really tap back into that childlike energy and be playful and and not care in the way that children, particularly young children, they just don't. Yeah, totally. I took everyone through this like journey. I was like, right, okay, imagine here I am in my bedroom, like getting home from school, da da da. And then I was like, <laughs> like I had bros posters, and you know, do you remember when you had like when you were a kid, you had like oh yeah, handsome men like next to a dolphin. <laughs> Well, <laughs> like that yeah. sort of like just like that precipice of for that sort of from childhood to adulthood where you were like spandau ballet and a really cute kitten like yeah. it was kind of those two like juxtaposed things like one foot in childhood and one foot in adulthood well thinking about posters when you were saying that it reminded me in my childhood bedroom i had this massive it was almost life-size because she is quite petite uh, poster of Kylie Minogue and this would have been yes. in the you know curls on top of her head locomotion days it. yeah I just thought that she off the back of Charlene from Neighbours I just thought that she was absolutely incredible you know alongside my forever friend yeah yeah exactly yeah I had Madonna yeah. <laughs> There's a magazine called Smash Hits that used yes. to have all the lyrics of the yes. songs, right? And I used to have them all. Had like a bit of wall next to my bed that just sort of like, it's a, just a chimney breast. And I used to stick all of the lyrics of the words. Yeah. So I remember like laying in bed, like just staring at the lyrics of Les La Bonita, like, Les Nerd, Les Nerd, like just trying to learn them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Madonna. <laughs> oh, I love Smash she Hits. Was my fave. You remind me of like putting, you know, when you had the two cassette tape so you could record the songs like record yeah. off the radio if I didn't have the lyrics from smash hits then you'd be doing the kind of play pause play pause you could scribble Write down the lyrics down. yeah yeah I wonder what yeah. some I bet we got loads of them wrong when we were like nine can oh, you yeah. imagine what lyrics we totally. heard and what were right and also I love did you record off the radio and try and like stop it before the DJ started talking yeah. you'd be like oh like um I loved that <laughs> All of that stuff. I love that so much. All of that stuff. Oh, well, we've done a really nice job, actually, of segueing in to the world of childhood and growing up, which is what we're, what we're here for today. And so you set the scene a little bit there. I guess we're talking, you know, maybe tweens or 10 yeah, plus. Yeah, yeah. Can we go yeah. just a little bit earlier around, you know, kind of little Donna? What, what, what was life like? What was this, the scene um, for when little Donna entered this world. 
It was, yeah, it, it, I've had an interesting, like, early, early childhood. My mum had a car crash with me in the back when I was little, so I was, like, flung out of the car, like, fractured Gosh. skull, like, in the... Yeah, like, quite, quite like a dramatic... But I was in, in and out of uh-huh. hospital after that a lot. And my mum and dad both worked. And I remember my my nan was like just so incredibly present in my life my little nan Mm. her name was olive i just remember a couple of things actually about that about her this real warmth i feel when i think of her and i remember this this love this true true love that i saw between my grandmother and my grandfather that i've Mm. never seen again and hadn't seen it just it was something that was so beautiful and a bit cheeky and caring and you know like my nan used to like go to stand up on something like on a on a stool and my granddad would go no 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 like he'd grab her and then he'd like help her mm. down like no 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 he'd go and lift he'd reach for the thing for her but then sometimes he'd like i'd see him like smack her bum as she went through like so it was this kind of really playful yeah but loving. He was really gentlemanly Mm. and nourishing with her. I just remember these kind of moments of sitting at my nan's kitchen table and I'd be helping her with stuff like shelling peas, like my granddad would always grow stuff in the garden. I'd go and help pick the beans and bring those back and we'd like thread them through that little, do you remember those little things with the, did you have those things that had the little blades and you'd like thread the beans through, like all of that kind of stuff. Just taught me about love and about nurture and about playfulness and not because my parents weren't that because they are playful and they were playful and they are that kind of person but I think that is a similar thing that I see with Primrose and my mum and dad now Mm. like I think grandparents have more time to be playful they have because that you know my mum and Primrose will grow stuff in the garden and do lots more things that when I was working full time, I Mm. simply didn't have time to do. So yeah, that little Nan vibe is really strong. I mean, because we're talking about experiences, relationships from our childhood that have impacted the adults that we've become and it's interesting I know your your nan you wanted to kind of talk about her as as really good energy and influence and you you mentioned her you might not remember but you mentioned her to me when we were together the other week did I yeah you did we're talking just about how when challenging things come up you know you can still hear her voice in your head and the types of how she would read things and a hundred percent yeah. How did your relationship with her kind of, it sounded like she just created this really solid foundation for you that you even draw on still today. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And also she was a force for positivity. She was incredibly positive. You know, even I, even when the final days of her life, when she'd had a, a stroke and, and her brain, like something she was not, herself and then so we spent like an evening with her and she was saying things that were just not her but like it was still quite playful and quite funny and a couple of times my sister and I giggled and right at the end she just kind of looked at me and it was her again like crystal Mm. my nan was back and she said to me I've given you a laugh this evening haven't I and she Mm. winked at me and that was the last like coherent thing she said to me And I just like, and I think that's like really interesting, this kind of like 
even in those like moments and also like when she was dying like she would she was really giggling it was really interesting like the doctor said to her who's here and she said my son my daughter-in-law my granddaughters and my husband and like my granddad had died when I was a teenager and so but like there was this like giggliness to her final hours that almost felt back to that kind of that playful love with her with my granddad you know so Mm. um yeah my nan was like I don't watch the news I don't watch sad things I'm gonna watch MasterChef or Gardener's World or something that's happy I'd rather go in my garden she said I know that bad stuff is happening out there I don't need to see it on my television set I don't need to bring that energy shouldn't use the word energy but like I don't need to bring that into my home I want to keep happy things in my home. That was my mm. my nan. And I'm the same here. Like, I don't have the news on when Primrose is here. Like, oh, I don't have the news on really when I'm here on my own. I'll, like, I'll look a little bit just to keep abreast of what's going on. But I don't want to absorb my life with that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so was your nan around, did she get to meet Primrose? No, she didn't. But let me tell you something. When Primrose was born, I saw a shade of my of my little nan, like, instantly just instantly was like oh my god the way primrose runs is like exactly the same as my little nan there's a a look that she does that is my nan like so there's definitely shades of her there i talk about her a lot so primrose knows who she was and and all of that kind of stuff so uh so yeah she's not far away going from this gorgeous wonderful positive figure in your childhood the challenging story that you wanted to bring today was around an, another family member I think who it's a perhaps, family friend yeah a family friend who wasn't as positive or encouraging and sounds like quite the opposite yeah I, I just wanted to just I suppose talk about this because of the importance of how a comment that seemingly is so kind of flippant and throw away and how many of us will say, oh, she's not listening or that's all right. Like mm. my mum or like family will talk about stuff and I'll be like, let's, let's talk about this later. Just because I know that how much kids are absorbing stuff. Mm. And what happened to me was when I was, I must've been five or six and I was in the garden at my parents' house playing and a family friend came over. I mean, he probably wouldn't even remember this, you know. I mean, that's how kind of nothing insignificant mm. it probably yeah. was to him. I remember exactly what I was wearing because I was so happy with my outfit. I had this like little grey mm. t-shirt and little grey shorts, and they had little ballet shoes like stitched onto yeah. the onto the front. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And um, I was mucking about in the garden and he walked in and like da, 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 chatting, chatting, and I heard him say to my dad, bloody hell she's got a little porker and she put on some weight and I just was like I remember Mm. not really understanding what that meant but my memory is the instant feeling of judgment of my body like the instant feeling of like oh someone's just made a negative comment about my body and Mm just instantly wanting to like just disappear like the feeling of just feeling shame and embarrassment and all of that stuff I remember going upstairs and like looking for something different to put on because I was really embarrassed and then you know cut to my 20s and I struggled a lot with I was called like 
a lot had like sort of bullying when I was a teenager from boys, local boys that would be like, take the mickey out of my teeth and stuff. And then cut to like, 20s and then bulimia started like it was just mm. and I can see like a direct link mm. like it's it's there play you know you don't have to be a a registered psychologist to see the links <laughs> yeah. right and so yeah. the lesson that I have taken from that is that number one like I am so kind of anti anything where I'm brushing primrose hair like making you look beautiful like I don't say anything like yeah. that I don't I don't want her to be beautified in our home like it will st stuff will still happen and she's a girl and she'll choose things that she wants to wear and like that's all great mm -hmm. but I'm really clear that she doesn't have to wear dresses all the time she doesn't have to do this there's not a girl thing a boy thing and also yeah this obsession with Wait, I remember when she was a little, a really little baby. She was eating her meal like low, just like she was like she was just really enjoying her meal, and um, someone said, "Blimey, where's she putting all that?" And I just went like, "No, no, 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 no!" Like she was a baby, yeah. and it's like, and it, I thought, "Oh my god, please do not make a connection between eating and enjoying food and how that will then impact your body." in a yeah. like in a in an aesthetic way I was just like oh my god and so that has influenced how I parent my daughter that one mm. comment and what that then led to yeah. for me I mean we're both parents of young girls but you know I, I think this kind of transcends gender totally. at, at this stage and I just read something this week around children as young as six start thinking about wanting to be thinner or being yeah. concerned about how they look. And I think it, it seems to have only got worse because we definitely, we're, we're a similar age and there were definitely you know, comments like that. You know, my dad would say stuff and yeah. think nothing of it or think it was coming from a place of love. Yeah. But these comments, they, they're the ones that take root. And as you said, you know, remembering the detail of your outfit and all of these, you know, probably what the weather was like that day and all of these yeah, things totally. because... They have I can such even, an I can impact even smell the garden. Yeah. yeah, it made me think of Inside Out. You know, when the core memory is logged, the Disney movie, when the core memory yeah. is logged, it's that kind of thing. Like that was definitely mm. a core memory that where it's in it's in high definition. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I was reading again somewhere that kind of Gen Alpha, so children today and Gen Zers. They're like, you know, I'm generalizing, but there's much more of a feeling of being on it. Like body shaming is not okay. Almost as yeah. like these things are off limits. And I'm sure that, you know, it's human beings and people of bullies and these things come up, but I, it does feel like there's a bit of a shift. But then at the same time, we are seeing a huge increase, particularly off the back of the pandemic in children's eating disorders and all of these things are related. And I think whether it's around appearance or you, know, whether you're considered smart or whatever it might be, so often we develop hangups because of these, you know, just random comments, ill thought, or if they've even been thought through at all, yeah. that adults can often make in our presence when we're growing up. Yeah, absolutely. I think you made the point that sometimes you think kids aren't listening or, oh, they're too young, they won't understand. I mean, my three-year-old is on it. Like, it's yeah. like she's got a kind of 
photographic or audio version of that memory for everything that she hears. And I, I'm always surprised at just, you know, stuff in our day-to-day lives from weeks ago, she'll remember. And so it's that thing, isn't it? Of they're sponges and they're taking all of this on without having the benefit of any real kind of understanding or context. And definitely. so it's, it's a really kind of scary, dangerous time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm exactly the same when I, I um, Primrose says things and I'm like, wow, I... I don't remember when I even had that conversation or when, or you hear them say something that just sounds so grown up and you're like oh my god like where mm. have you absorbed that funny little um like like she'll she'll come out with these little kind of southeast London like they remind me of like a little grandma <laughs> like some of these things that she says and I'm like mm. wow that's not that sounds like me talking to another adult that she would have heard that you know yeah. so yeah that she's definitely yeah absorbing all of the things. It's that balance, isn't it? Again, for us as parents to these girls of not wanting to make a fuss or draw attention to things, but at the same time, to some extent, policing these comments. You know, Aura was a nine pound two baby. You know, she was a larger baby on, you know, the percentile scale, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And randoms would often comment on that and even family members you know she, she's a little chunky monkey isn't she thinking that that's you know a term in dinner like yeah. don't ever say that again yeah absolutely primrose said something about oh yeah like about one of her toys like oh yeah you fatty and i thought mm. and it was definitely like it, it definitely was like she was using it as a derogatory term and i kind of thought mm. That's interesting, isn't it? How like, you know, Mm. attributing weight to something that is bad within like, just within her game. And I thought somewhere she's got it and she's picked it up. And I think it's about making sure that, yes, she is going to pick it up from outside and other stuff. And of course, I'm not always going to get it right, you know, like we're all learning, aren't we? Yeah. But making sure that at some point we do start to unravel i'll i'll question her on stuff but mm. yeah it's not easy there's a there's a there's a there's no. a minefield there's a minefield to jump it's a, it's a constant minefield yeah. and yeah i think yeah. you said none of us are perfect by any means and i'm really conscious of being so hot on this thing over here that i'm probably forgetting something else over I know, here you know? i know it's, i know i said it's like that um, i did that uh, said that the other day i can't even remember what the, the example was there was something and i said to my mum i have been so fixated with not saying mm. this that I haven't noticed that exactly the same whack-a-mole. Yeah, that's brilliant <laughs> yeah. expression. Yeah, <laughs> another one's popped up. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I didn't know before I had Aura is that I'm fairly obsessed, I guess, with like cleanliness, with mess, like with her getting in a mess or her making me a mess, like whether it's with paint or chocolate or whatever. Yeah. So I'm constantly saying the words about don't make a mess, don't make a mess, you're making a mess. I said to my husband, that's the thing that she's going to be in therapy about. You know, my mom was always telling me she just couldn't stand mess. And <laughs> <laughs> they're always yeah. teaching us the, this new information about ourselves that yeah. you know, was completely going unchecked before because adults were generally giving me my space and not making me messy yeah exactly i had a good one with primrose with plasticine she was um playing plasticine like having a really good time and i was watching her and i suddenly felt like anxiety rising in my body (laughs) 
because she was mixing up all the colours into like one big mosh. And you know, you like just go, oh my God, I was that child that kept the colours separate. Would be really like, mm. no, don't put the black with the red. Like, no, no, that will like ruin yeah. the colour. And I, and I was watching her. She was having the time of her life. I really had to like stop myself from going, don't mess up all yeah. the colours. I really wanted to say like, keep those nice keep those nice <laughs> but I just I had to like stop myself I was like no it's play-doh plasticine like yeah. relax let her mix mush up the colors like it's completely fine but yeah I had to really really rein that in yeah I mean because they are meant to get messy so I have to as you said remember or she can have messy clothes just don't make me a mess <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. From sticky chocolate fingers, um, yeah. changing gears entirely. I'm very excited about this. Moving to your wild card story, um, I simply have the very cryptic uh, phrase of pop star dreams. <laughs> I I think I like touched on it very, very briefly earlier on, but it was just this absolute knowing that one day I would be on top of the pops or like you know playing concerts doing like you know like I had a I had a um a lace madonna glove I had all the stuff uh -huh. in my bedroom I had these pink velvet curtains in my room and I would put my they had a mirror that was on my dressing table at the other end of my room and I would literally this is like me coming in from school, like school bag off, like running upstairs, like nothing else mattered. I would have to go up and just like perform to my invisible audience. Yeah. I would come out to the beginning of Diana Ross chain reaction where it goes. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. yeah. And like I would like I'd sta be standing behind my <laughs> curtain like as the music was I'd probably like press play on the tape and like run behind the curtain. Yeah. Like, standing there. Dun, dun, dun. And then like as the vocals started, like dun, dun, like curtains open. You took a mystery and made me like <laughs> literally like I had it yeah. all like done, ready. And these kind of huge, obviously a huge empath, like feel, feel, feel. I would emote and feel these lyrics from from these grown-ups when I was yes. like eight or nine with yeah. <laughs> like HD emotion, like literally yeah. <laughs> bring myself to tears. You had lived like, those, those stories. I'd lived, I'd lived all of these experiences. There was this song, hold me now, don't cry. Yeah. And it was about a breakup. And I was, I would, I would be crying by the end of it. <laughs> at eight years yeah. old, again. I know that we're apart. Like full tears, like rolling down my face, as if I'd been through this like horrific breakup at eight years old. And what I find really interesting about this is, and I was actually t t telling a bunch of performing students, musical theatre students and drama students, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about this. And I was mm. telling them that and saying, you know, that actually that was always where I knew I was destined to go. And then I got a real job. And then like 25 years later, I've suddenly gone, I'm going to go on stage. And there was a point yeah. when I was 39, 40, pregnant with Primrose. And I decided to myself, I'm going to stop. I was still singing at gigs and stuff. And I was like, nah, I'm stopping. No one, want, no one wants to see a 40-year-old prancing about on the stage like nah it's not gonna happen I'm done and then 
during the pandemic and this whole like lifeshine thing and the the put my money where my mouth is with well Miyoki, I just suddenly was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna perform. And it's almost like that kind of the me on stage was like in the sat nav, right? That was like the destination. And like I got rerouted yes. all over the place. <laughs> like re like rerouting, rerouting the whole way through. And then it's like you're on ways. Yeah, totally on ways. <laughs> Do you know the traffic ways? jams? Yeah. yeah. Traffic jams here, <laughs> police cordons there, like no entry, no entry. And then literally coming right round to this kind of standing on stage, you know, I'm doing a whole load of festivals with Well Miyoki this year. So like actually yeah. that is a thing. Like it has gone in there somewhere. Like even though I may have lost my way countless times along that journey this like pop star dream has always, always been there, which I love. And also it's interesting you say about when when we spoke earlier on about the other people's words, because actually the well Miyoki, the karaoke bit means that I can like emulate all those amazing people that I used to emulate in my bedroom when I was seven, eight, nine. Like that that was who I was. Like it wasn't about... I didn't have a yearning to be a songwriter. I didn't have a yearning uh-huh. to like, yeah. I, I have I have a voice that I need to get. Like, that wasn't the yearning. The yearning was all about the, da-da! like it was that. The performance. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, pop star dreams, pop star dreams. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I was really curious about what you were saying, the psychology behind, because I really, um, I had a very similar childhood to yours um singing and playing the piano and you know being Whitney Houston making love the whole night through when I was eight years old (laughs) which is I remember my mum kind of told me his his words are highly inappropriate so why is it because I completely identify with this you know sobbing or feeling in your heart when you have not had that lived experience yeah and yet you know I remember singing Greece you know kind of Rizzo's there were worse things I can do when I was you know 10 or something nuts and so it's not like you're you really understand what you're singing but I guess particularly if you've seen the film alongside it or but I don't know sometimes there's not even a video or a film you're there's something in us that is um, is it empathy that's kind of connecting with the heartbreak of empathy these words it, or the sound or yeah empathy if it depending on how spiritual you are there might be lived experiences from other past mm. lives that you might be you mm-hmm. might have like in your soul somewhere also yeah. I talk about singing as a release of emotion like it can be a release of amazing emotion mm. and euphoria but it can also be a release of this like stuck like bad emotion you know what we do like when we break up and our hearts are broken like we listen to the songs that are going to make us weep yes and i think that even though it might not have been heartbreak that that um that we needed to release perhaps there was some childhood anger some childhood sadness Mm. some angst some upset that we just had to release and it just happened that with a more empathic style of human being that you kind of are able to really feel it from a place of as if you've lived that experience. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> yeah, if I you've um that. I mean I just I just love it. I don't know if you've seen or heard the music from Ghost the Musical. 
I have not seen Ghost the Musical, but there is this song, this, and I'm guessing it must be the main ballad, which Spotify Shuffle or something exposed me to. Um, and it's called, I want to say it's called With oh my You. God, look, at, look, at, look at me grabbing my pen oh, and writing yeah, it you, down like an absolute maniac. And it's basically all about, you know, we know the story of Ghost and it, yes. it's Demi Moore's character, whose name I forget, singing just after Sam has died. And this song, I don't know who wrote it, but it's one of the most beautiful, tragic, heartbreaking songs I've ever witnessed. And I can't get enough of it. Like my husband would be like, why are you listening to this? Like it makes me cry because it's just so powerful. And it's it's that I think (laughs) when you have a love of of music or particularly music that is storytelling yeah totally. it's just such a it's such a gift and really can as you say storytelling songs are my favorite <laughs> like literally yeah. give me a bit of yeah dolly parton's night it's like i can see the whole thing like playing out it's brilliant yeah. so my grandmother used to love andre rieu he's a composer and like would yes. a conductor and like the conductor, has like, these amazing yeah. spectacular and um, and he would uh, my nan used to listen to to watch his DVDs all the time and there's a song called Oh Mi, Mio Babino Caro oh yeah I love that Oh My Beloved Father yeah and that the story of that do you know the story of that it no. is basically she she asks her father if she can marry her true love and he says no and basically the song is her I'm literally getting goosebumps as I'm saying it mm. I want to burst out crying she's asking her mm. father he's saying no and she says father if you don't allow me to marry him I cannot live I will jump off of the Ponte Vecchio bridge so she basically like right. says it's her like appealing to her father as I'm telling the story my eyes are like brimming with tears there's something just so mm. romantically beautiful about this mm. deep, deep, true love. Yeah, maybe it's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a huge romantic in me as well. Maybe from that kind of seeing that true love with my nan, my nan and granddad yeah. too. Yeah. This kind of wanting that. Well, I look at Primrose and I'm like, I love you so much, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> like it's kind yeah. of, you can't like, <laughs> where do I put that? Where do I put that? Yes. It was that yes. kind of love I saw between my mm. grandparents. And that's what I feel from, from songs like, Oh, me, I've been a caro and, um, and hold me now, don't <laughs> cry. Like, I have the same feeling. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> I'm on it. Like, oh, literally, that's a, that's a the moment I come off of this, that is what I'm doing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one, but an incredibly sad one. I'm glad, though, that we're able to come full circle in our conversation and through music return back to that gorgeous love affair um, and you know, love that you had for your, your little nan too. Yeah. So as we come to the end of our, our conversation, I have one more question for you, Donna, and that is, what is your mantra for grown-up living? Am I having fun? It's a question. And it's a question I didn't really ask myself for 25 years in corporate world. I have Mm. to be having fun. Humour is an oxygen. Laughter is my oxygen. Silliness is how I live. It has to be fun. There's always that caveat of it not being toxic positivity. Like, you know, like Mm. there's Mm -hmm. stuff that happens that's real life. But if I can start each day with a how do I create more joy? How can I have be having more fun? Mm. 
is this fun? I was working with people before and I was like, I'm not really enjoying this. Like, and then I thought, okay, well, I will extricate myself from that scenario because <laughs> that this is not where I want to be. Like I didn't go on this mm. journey for it not to be fun, right? And so, yeah. and seeing my dad go out every day, shift work, 12 hour shifts, maintenance engineer, you know, like to, to provide for his family. But there wasn't fun in there, you know, so I'm almost, mm. it's like I'm doing it for, for them as well, for my family. Yeah. And showing Primrose that you can live your life in a way that doesn't have to conform to a paradigm that, that we all have been told it that's how we need to live our adult lives. That sounds like a mantra I can certainly get behind. As always, it's been so much fun speaking with you today, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me, Donna. You are so welcome. I love you dearly. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Sharing Tales, brought to you by Happy Marlow the purpose-driven brand on a mission to help grown-ups emotionally empower the little people in their lives. To find out more, visit happymarlow.com. If you're not already subscribed to this podcast, please do so at your usual podcast platform to make sure you never miss an episode. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please go ahead and leave a review and a rating as they really do help other people to find this show. And if you feel the urge to tell all of your friends and family about Sharing Tales, who are we to stop you? Thanks as always to our wonderful sound producer and editor, Erin Maguire at Beyondgolia Productions. Be sure to tune in next Monday for a new episode. Bye-bye for now. Bye.